I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Wednesday edition. I'm Wendy Nooks with Sam Acho and David Pollack. Guess who else is back to work this afternoon? Because we are one month away from the first full Saturday of college football in Ohio State. Well, guess what? Fall practice officially underway. They opened camp earlier today in early morning practice at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. It is the first of 25 practices leading up to the season opener. That would be at Minnesota on, on September 2nd. Uh, You'll hear from head coach Ryan Day coming up just a little bit later, but we do want to talk about expectations for Ohio State. First, though, we have him now. Here's head coach Ryan Day. As a whole, I thought we threw and caught the ball well for day one. We'll see what that means. But, um, you know, they they certainly did a lot of work this summer because um, I I think the the first routes on air, the ball didn't touch the ground. That's a very, very good sign. Um, But that's just step one. we got a long way to go. Well, the Buckeyes have been a perfect 16-0 in conference play since Coach Day took over full-time. That was in 2019. They are, however, 1-2 against Power 5 teams outside the Big Ten. That includes losses to Alabama and Clemson. Ohio State will have an early test. That's against Oregon on September 11th. What we do know is they'll be breaking in a new quarterback when the season starts. Sam, and whoever is under center for the Buckeyes when they play Minnesota, that's on September 2nd. Look, they're going to have some big shoes to fill. We know that. But I do want to ask you about the recent quarterback play in Columbus. Do you think it's the result of the player, or is this a system they've been able to create? Yeah, I believe it's a result of the system. I think you see great quarterback play because Ryan Day is a great coach. And so you see this great system, 23-2 and Ryan Day is over the last two years. But the issue is the quarterbacks that are coming in have no experience throwing the football in college. None of them have thrown a pass. All three of the quarterbacks, whether it's Jack Stroud or C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller III, Kyle McCord, have never thrown a college football pass. The last time that happened for Ohio State was in 1952. So I'm interested to see what happens if Ryan Day will be able to get his quarterbacks ready because Minnesota is coming. We talk about the second game the season but Minnesota you might want to watch out you might see the 2019 version of Minnesota the 11 win team right there yeah and and I hear you Sam one of the things that's really good though is it's really nice to have all freak shows around you that makes things really really good so you got a top five play caller in college football and Ryan Day which isn't debatable by the way with what he's been able to do and now you got Alave and Wilson by the way we can go down the list of, of, of receivers and backs and linemen so they're stacked everywhere but I do think playing I'm not as worried about Minnesota as, as Sam is but playing Oregon you know week two with a quarterback that's still growing still developing when you start to look at Ohio State season I feel like that's the spot where you'd say hey 
if they're going to slip up, maybe it's then because we go to the end of the season with the game and it hasn't been a game. Um, you know, so we'll have to see Ohio State. But I think if they're going to slip up, I think it would be early in the season while they're breaking in, Wendy, that quarterback you're talking about. Well, let's go through that exercise, David, just for the just for the sake of argument. We'll put up their schedule. Again, I mentioned it before, uh, when, an early test against when, Oregon, but you've also when, got that season when, opener against Minnesota. When, okay, so put, take a look. When, I, all right. When, 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 when. But you make You're a great point. You make I a great point. confidence. DP, you make a great See, point. That, that, that second week against Oregon, you're breaking in a new quarterback. So Minnesota, maybe the quarterback's ready. Maybe Minnesota's defense is bad like they were last year. Maybe their special team struggles again. But week two against Oregon, we ranked Oregon in the top ten. ESPN ranked Oregon in the top ten. Week two with the quarterback with only one game of experience. I, that, that game gives me pause if I'm Ohio State. David, what, nothing? No rebuttal? You, you, you rest your case. All right, fair enough. Listen, that doesn't happen very often, so hold your fire. Just sit tight. Uh, listen, let's stay in the state of Ohio, shall we? Because another team that gets a lot of attention, certainly did last year after what they did, and we wonder if they'll pick up where they left off, is Cincinnati, okay? So, again, Cincinnati took part in AAC Media Day today. We're going to talk more about that coming up. Luke Fickle's Bearcats finished last season 9-1. and one. Their lone loss coming against Georgia. That was in the Peach Bowl. They also returned star quarterback Desmond Ritter. Here's the head coach on the high expectations. These guys have been through a lot, and I mean that when Desmond Ritter and the Majay Sanders of the world, a lot of these guys that were here in year one that you know, barely won four games, probably should have won one game. Um, so they've been through those really tough times. So I, I think they've so far through the offseason have handled it really well with just expectations and a lot of the talk. Uh, but I know they're really kind of hungry to kind of get this thing rolling and Quit being about all the other talk and, and uh, let's be about the new year. At the end of the year, our objective is to be able to play for a championship. That means we got to win the last three games. We got whatever we got to do. We got to put ourselves in position to play for championships. If we do that and we have that run, then it's amazing what other things can happen. Look, David, the, the expectations are high. That's not necessarily a bad problem to have. That means you've set the bar and you accomplished something. But can Cincinnati continue that? Will we see any kind of drop-off, or do you expect the continued success that we saw last season? I think they can continue it, and here's the thing we got to look at. Look at where they're at right now. When you start at 11 and you've got games against Notre Dame on your schedule in Indiana, like – Cincinnati can go to the college football playoff. If, if they go undefeated, last year they went undefeated. They weren't in the college football playoff. Had a heck of a game in the bowl game against Georgia. But they didn't have those games that you went, I'm going to stand on the table for you because you beat so-and-so. They got those this year. Desmond Ritter's back. Gardner's back at corner. Uh, a new system on defense that I'll be a little bit worried about and, and curious about to see. But, yes, they have the talent. They have the cachet. And more importantly, Sam, they got the schedule this year where they can make more noise and, uh, and respect their opponents. Yeah, well, DP, I'm actually concerned about that schedule. Last year, a lot of people would say that Cincinnati played cupcakes. Well, this year, they got what they were asking for. You got Indiana September 18th. You get a bye week to rest up, and then you get Notre Dame. Like, this is what we all as college football fans have hoped for. It's a schedule like this. I'm, the, the game I'm circling is that October 2nd game. That's Cincinnati at Notre Dame. Are they for real? Yes, we know that Cincinnati had the number four ranked defense last year. And yes, we know that Desmond Ritter is the real deal. 
but you're not playing cupcakes anymore. You got Indiana, Notre Dame, and oh, by the way, two weeks later, you're playing UCF, which is not a, not a, a laughing a matter, not a thing to balk at by any means. And so this is what I love about college football. You have a team like Cincinnati, who we all were kind of wondering who they're going to be last year, even undefeated. Now you get a chance to play against the best. You got to prove it. Well, they're taking matters into their own, own hands, right? If you do want to think long-term, if you do want to think yep. about the playoff, this is what you have to do. They need games like this on their schedule and certainly exciting for their fans. They have to win them, of course, but we'll see. Uh, and you mentioned UCF, and we'll talk about Gus Malzahn coming up. Take a, take a peek, though, right now at the AAC preseason poll. The Cincinnati and UCF, we talked about them both. They're at the top of the conference. The Bearcats receiving 22 of the 24 first-place votes. The Knights receiving the other two. SMU, Houston, Memphis, and Tulsa round out the top six. Here is the aforementioned coach Gus Malzahn. I would say most coaches around the country look at this program as a gold mine, and uh, I've always thought this was probably the last five years a top 20 job. I don't care what conference it is in or power five, non-power five. This is one of the best programs in college football. There's unbelievable potential. It's an unbelievable place to recruit to. I thought that five months ago before I took the job. Now I even think that even better, you know, since I've had the job. So, you know, like I said, I'd like this to be my last uh, my last job, and I, I really think we can win championships here. All right. They say it's your next job, not your last job. Might be a different scenario here, David. What does Coach Malzahn bring to this job, and what do you think it means for him? Well, when you look at Gus, obviously, lost his mojo at Auburn. Um, things went downhill. He's known as an offensive guru. There's, there's no, there's a, it's cool because he gets to come now and run whatever he wants. It, it, Auburn's not telling him what to do, so I'm really, he's got Dylan Gabriel quarterback. I, I'm very interested to see what he does. This, you, you cannot make a list. When you start to make a list of power five jobs or non-power five jobs, you ain't getting past UCF at number two. I mean, I, most people are going to put him at number one. You got speed all over the field. You got recruiting that's so fertile right there in the grounds of Florida. So I don't think this is a job where I say, hey, Gus is just waiting for the next one. I think this is a legitimate great job for Gus Malzahn. Let's see if he can get his offensive swag back, Sam, because that's what he's been missing. Yes, exactly. And especially, DP, especially when you have a quarterback like Dylan Gabriel. So I don't know about you all, but I had him in my top five returning quarterbacks. Like, I'm excited to see what Dylan Gabriel can do. And then you get Gus Malzahn, who we've talked about, offensive guru. Let's see if you can do what you did in Auburn. Let's see if you can do it here at UCF. I think about a guy like Hugh Freeze, right? He kind of leaves big program, goes to a smaller program. All of a sudden, they start winning. For me, this is an unbelievable opportunity for Gus Melzahn, not only to rebuild his team, but to rebuild his reputation and his career. I think UCF is not just a stopping point. I think it's a final destination, and I think he should view it that way as well. Well, if you, if you take him at his word, that, that's what he says. Obviously, things can change, but we'll see. And again, I mentioned the AAC Health Media Days today. We're going to look more closely at that coming up as we continue on College Football Live. Obviously, college football has been uh, shell-shocked, if you will, by conference realignment. And the AAC affected as well. Just about everybody who stepped in front of the mic has been And we will continue to hear what people have to say when we come back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The AAC joined the party this week, holding media day today. And just like everybody else who stepped up to the podium since the SEC made waves with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas, Commissioner Mike Oresco was asked about conference realignment and what that means and certainly will mean for the AAC. We've discussed with, with our membership, uh, you have to, obviously, what, what our strategic vision is and why uh, it would be wise for them to stay in this conference, which is a, you know, a, a growth conference, which is a conference that's strong and, and stable. We don't know what, what's going to happen. So we just want everyone, you know, to, uh, you know, step back, you know, look at the situation. And uh, we're, we're basically staying calm and just analyzing the situation. Stay calm and carry on. David, look, we, we often talk over under. I'm going to say help or hurt. Does conference realignment in this instance, knowing what we know now, and it could change, help or hurt the AAC? Well, I, I don't think it helps or hurts them. Well, actually, I, I think it can be very helpful, Wendy. Here's what I'm doing. I know he's saying be cautious. I, I'm picking up my phone right now, and I'm calling every team in the daggone Big 12, and I'm like, bro, come on, let's do it. Like, you just lost Texas, you lost Oklahoma. I'm going to go try to get Oklahoma State. I'm going to go try to get Texas Tech. I'm going to go try to get Kansas. Like, I'm going to go try to make this AAC even more respectable. Listen, the AAC has some respect on its name, but the bottom of the AAC is not really, really strong. If you could add a few more teams to the AAC with a lot of respect, it would be great for them. So I'm getting on the phones and I'm getting aggressive. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to get poached and me and make my teams join somewhere else. I'm going to go try to make that next super conference. No, I'm with you, DP. I think that this conference realignment period actually helps the AAC. I think the AAC is in a strong position. They just they have a billion-dollar TV deal, number one. Number two, they've got 11, te 11 teams. And you look at the teams that are at the top. We talked about Cincinnati, a top 10, top 12 team. UCF, a top 25 team. If you add some of these teams from the Big 12, all of a sudden you have a formidable conference. And so for a lot of people, this yeah. conference realignment, it hurts them, right? It's hurting the Big 12 right now. No one knows what's going to happen with the Big 12. I believe that the Pac-12 is in a good position. I also believe that the AAC is in a good position as well, as well as, as, well as the Big Ten and obviously the SEC. They're, they're, uh, they're licking their fingers right now. They're having fun right now. You think? No, no question about that. Listen, you know, one other area that we've touched on, and keep in mind, you know, two weeks ago, it was all but a done deal. It seemed like it. And that was the playoff expansion, going to the 12-team playoffs. That, too, will be affected. Here's a rest again on playoff expansion. If the CFP plan is a good one, and I believe it is, the current expansion speculation should not derail or delay the process. I see no reason for that. There was broad support for the CFP plan, uh, and it should move forward. It creates greater opportunities for a wide range, of, a wide range of teams, including our teams, who deserved a shot in prior seasons and obviously didn't didn't have one. You know what's interesting, Sam, and I, be, because of the way things shift. Let me ask you this: If it's up to you, would you rather be a top five? say, in the group of five, a top, one of the top-tier teams there, 
or middle of the pack in, in the Power Five? I mean, where do you land there? Yeah, Wendy, that's kind of a question of the of the century right now. And personally, I'd rather be a top team in the G5. And I look at Cincinnati last year. Once again, DP brought this up at the very top of this of this of this conversation. Cincinnati didn't make it in the playoff last year, but I feel like things are shifting. You're playing you're playing UCF obviously, but you're playing Notre Dame, you're playing Indiana, you're a top team in the G5. All of a sudden, you're showing everyone, "Hey, I did it last year and I will do it again." So I'd rather be at the very top it, it, rather than a middle-of-the-pack team, especially when it comes to, to playoffs. Sam, I'm with you. I agree if I was running things, but money runs things. And I got $14 million last year in my conference. Can I go to another conference like the Big Ten and make over 50? I mean, do you want over $50 yeah. million a year or do you want 14 a year? So I think that with that comes bigger facilities, a bigger brand, obviously um, easier to recruit. So I understand what you're saying, and I might agree with you on the football side, but money is going to talk. No, I respect that. Money definitely talks. But I think about this. I think about, yes, you get better facilities. You get recruiting. I hear that. But I'm like, man, let me be the big dog. Let me bring my conference up to the table and show y'all that we're for real. Like, people didn't believe that Cincinnati was for real. And I think now people believe Cincinnati's for real. Like, I'd rather do that than go to a conference that's already established and just try and fit in in the middle of the pack. Having, having said all that, David, and obviously money matters. I mean, all of this is about money. But I, we're, we're talking only here, if you will, for just a minute about the playoff. And we haven't seen a G5 team be able to do it with the four-team format. Now, obviously, that'll be a different scenario if we go to 12. Can they, will they, or when will we see a team do it with the four-team setup? It's not impossible, but it's next to impossible. you got five conference teams. Obviously, the SEC is going to get at least one in every single year. If anybody goes undefeated, you're behind the eight ball. So do the math. It's not, it's not great odds, but, again – Cincinnati, if you finish a season strong like they did, have a great season. You play two big power five teams that, you know, if Notre Dame has a great season, you beat them. You just need tons of help as opposed to being a team that can control your own destiny. So I think Cincinnati's in a spot with – that's more uh, advantageous than everybody else, and it's a good spot to be in. But at the same time, there's a good chance when those rankings come out, Wendy, is they can be four when they're undefeated or five. And then when it comes down to it, they still might be sitting on the outside looking in. Yeah, and I'm with you, DP. I just hope that with the 12-team format, which we don't, know, we don't even know if that's happening, right? Like, there's a lot of people who are saying, well, let's slow down. This thing happened Please. fast. Let's reconsider. So we don't know if the 12-team format is happening. But I believe with the 14-team format, it's hard for a G5 team to make it in there. But with the 12-team format, I think you're better, you have better odds, and it just brings up your national level, oh, okay. right? Like, if I'm, if, I'm a, if I'm a team or a program or a coach or an AD – I don't want to jump to the biggest, baddest conference. I want to show everybody in the world that we are here to stay. And I think, once again, going back to Cincinnati, there were so many questions last year, and I think Cincinnati answered every single one of them. And even if they didn't, they're about to answer them on, on September 2nd, September 18th, up in October. I mean, they're answering a lot of oh, questions yeah. this fall. They're, they'll be answering them one way or the other on a very big stage because they've got some marquee matchups on that schedule, which I think was by design. Uh, speaking of football, we're getting close. I said it before, it is certainly worth repeating. One month from today is the first full Saturday of college football. 
Uh, so many strong matchups to start the season. We'll tell you what we're most looking forward to and which players we want to see. That's coming up. twice as nice Hall of Fame weekend because the pandemic canceled last year's Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. We get not one but two Saturday and Sunday. Both classes, both days also available on the ESPN app. One app, one tap. And speaking of one, one month we are exactly today from the first full Saturday. Don't look now, but college football is back. And if you think it's a bunch of cupcake matchups and games that don't matter in week one, you can think again because the season starts out strong. David Pollock, we talked about this yesterday, uh, maybe because we're just finally kind of back for real, but it, it does seem like a stronger start than we've had in some years. What game are you watching most closely? And I know exactly what you're going to say. I don't even know why I'm asking, but I will. I don't either. Um, Georgia Clemson playoff berths on the line. I mean, you look at the rest of Clemson's schedule. Um, not much there. Um, so you look at Georgia, you beat a team like Clemson, they're going to be highly ranked the rest of the season regardless, and you kind of get a mulligan. You lose that, you got to go through mighty Alabama. you got to go through the SEC. So I think that game, one, one verse, or both, of, both of them will be in the top five showdowns. So many athletes on the field. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yes, and I'm and looking, right and I'm looking forward Sam, to Sam, who you got? Yes, well, you see it on the screen. I'm looking forward to Alabama going to Miami. Is Bryce too young to shine? That's what I want to know. Will De'Eric King be crowned? That's all I want to see week one. I cannot wait. Tough task for that quarterback in Miami. Certainly getting back on the field after an injury against Alabama. Player you most want to see, David Pollock. Give me some Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, if you don't know his name, Ooh, uh, you're going to like know his it. name by the end of the season. You, you'll, you'll know his name for the draft because he'll be the number one pick in the draft. People don't even know who he is. He's in Oregon. He's number five. He looks sweet with a single-digit uniform. 6'5", 250 pounds, speed, power, was the number one recruit in the country coming out of high school a couple years ago out of California. Dude is a man-child. DP, and I'll, I'll take your cave on Thibodeau, and I'll raise you a Brian Brzee. This dude on the screen was also the number one recruit in the country. He's big, he's strong, number 11 for Clemson. He is a certified beast. Keep your eyes out. Brian Brzee, say his name, say his name. De defense wins championships. You two got the memo. Thanks, fellas. Let's do it again tomorrow. We'll see you then.